Have you ever spoken to a seller that responded to your cold call or your postcard about buying their house and they're interested and you're about to give them an offer, but they have an objection that you just can't get past, like they need to wait till XYZ happens and you're stuck? Well, this episode, we talk with amazing real estate wholesaler, Zach Booth, who does a million dollars a year just looking for distressed homes getting them under contract and then passing them off to an investor and getting paid $20,000 per deal for each deal that he finds. And he's covering the top seller objections that he hears and how to avoid them. This episode is actually a masterclass that we do every Wednesday at three o'clock Eastern time for Deal Machine members to come together and share wins, hear from an outside expert and to learn how to get to their path of financial freedom faster. If you want to attend the masterclass, all you have to do is be on a Deal Machine Pro plan and you can join. If not, you can hear the best recordings on this podcast every Friday. If you've gained any knowledge from this podcast, please take a moment and leave us a review. It's what drives us and gives us the capability to continue producing more content to help you on your journey for financial freedom and make sure that you're subscribed so that you get each episode as they get released every week. The Deal Machine REI Podcast. Everything you need to know to get started in real estate investing. Hey guys, happy Wednesday. What date is? Hey, what's up, Andres? Just saw you the other day. There we go, man. <laughs> yes, sir. What's up, man? How you been, man? Good, dude. It, it's a. Uh... I say it's hard to know what day it is because going straight from a, a weekend event right back into the work week, it's like it's <laughs> making sure I'm doing the masterclass on the right day. I'm looking at my calendar, <laughs> but um, welcome everybody. If you're open to turn on your camera, please do. Zach, uh, Zach's got his camera on. Zach, you want to say hey to everybody? Hey everyone, good to see you. Yeah, Bye. Zach is. He's. I would say he's sacrificing lunch to be with us. He's been on like you know calls the entire day solid. So I appreciate you <laughs> continuing to power through, man. Yes, sir. No, I'm excited to be here, guys. I'm excited about the uh, the topic of today. I'm sure there'll be a massive amount of value and it will make you guys a ton of money. So, so oh, yeah. Yeah. And uh, super excited about today. This is your first one of these, by the way. Um, these in general, you know, we uh, will, first of all, welcome, but these in general, we we host them as Deal Machine, but it's not about us. It's really about you guys coming here and learning from world-class experts like Zach right here and investing in yourself, investing in your education, investing in your team, investing in your network. So um, this is a great opportunity to meet other people that are like-minded uh, in terms of, uh, you know, investors that are active and taking their, their real estate investing serious. Um, you know, so I know Ryan, when he has a chance, he'll throw in the chat. We've got a deal machine.com slash delete is our networking uh, spreadsheet there. So you can join that to be able to look and try to team up with other people. We've had a, a ton of people meet, you know, other JV partners, other business partners through through that uh, spreadsheet and through, you know, trying to come to come to these weekly. So uh, welcome for that. Um, again, the purpose of these is really to learn from experts like Zach, and then you know you can bring Q and A yourself. And I think Zach today is going to give a, a a great rundown for us on his content, but then give you guys an opportunity to ask questions and ask about the objections you're hearing. So um, you know that's going to be a, a, a you know just a great opportunity to learn from from uh, again like the the guy when it comes to driving for dollars and you know negotiating those deals. So. Um, if, if you have other team members on your team as well, that you guys are, uh, you know, that would find value in, in a certain subject. I mean, we cover all kinds of stuff we covered last week was, um, 
Paul Myers, which he talked about underwriting flips. Uh, the week before that was Steve Trang on sales, uh, sales scripts and, and creating the best sales script out there. Uh, we had uh, Carrie Porter before that talking about virtual assistants and working with virtual lead managers and stuff. So if you ever have a teammate where it's a subject that really applies to them actively, feel free to invite them too. Um, let's see, Carl, what's up, man? We've got some a few regulars turning on their ca- their uh, their their cameras here. So good seeing you. Good seeing you. Nice. If uh, there you go, Jose. Yeah, feel free to turn on your camera if, uh, if you don't mind saying hey here. But um, you know, I know one other thing, Ryan does a phenomenal job of hosting uh, office hours for any deal machine specific questions. So uh, Zach might end up, you know, talking about deal machine or mentioning it here and there, but really our focus is on the content for these. Um, if we have deal machine specific questions, go to Ryan and his open office hours. There you go. He just put it in the chat there. Bookmark that. And he hosts those, you know, a couple times a week. So um, those are fantastic for any kind of like support or deal machine specific stuff. But, um, and then he also, so put uh, for the old recordings, uh, a tool, hopefully I pronounce your name there, uh, content.dealmachine.com. That is where we put all of the past recordings for these, which we've had Zach on. I mean, probably might be the fourth or fifth time, man. You've, you've been, <laughs> you're a popular recurring guest. So, um, you I'm know, doing it. Uh, oh, what was that? I said, I love helping. Thanks for having me more. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, uh, that always comes across, man. So I'm, especially, I mean, look at your, your student wall back there. Like you're helping those guys out. Quite a bit. Dude, I, I started breaking it down. These are the people in the foundation section, buyers list, title company contracts. These guys are people that have started marketing. These are people that are working leads. These are people that have properties under contract and about ready to go out with a success wall. So super, awesome. fun, man, plug it away. There we go. Yeah, yeah. You, you truly have a helping heart and, and really like how you deal with sellers too. like your just your mindset. I'm sure you'll talk about this, but the way that you approach the mindset of having that seller conversation, uh, you can tell you're you're leading with helping people first, man. So um, always love to see that. I know the topic today, again, guys, is going to be top seller objections that you're going to face uh, if, if you're having conversations with sellers today and then how to overcome each of them. So I'm really excited to break that down. Before we get into that, we always like to kick off with good vibes with you guys. So well, well, um, first, did you guys see Mr. David's in the house? There yes, he is. Last oh, time cute. we came out, uh, really enjoyed my trip to visiting you, Zach, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I, I was pumped we got to actually be there to record a victory bell for one of your students. Who was that? Awesome. Uh, man, I don't remember at this point. I get like two or three a week. I, I, I don't remember <laughs> who it was when you were here. <laughs> They, uh, yeah, man, I can't remember who it was that, that, that went there. I can tell you this week, Lisa's got a $20,000 deal, which is so cool because, um, and she's working two more, uh, Adam Rappaport has a $50,000 deal, um, this week. Um, and then, uh, there's one more. We need a bell. And yeah. there's one more. Yeah, no, Bell in the out there. Nice. <laughs> yeah, it's super fun. I love it. Nice. We uh yeah, I was I was jealous of you guys being able to <laughs> hang out without me, but uh you know, we'll make it work someday. But uh I I, I will say to start this off, I mean that you're already transitioning well, Zach, right there. Um, in terms of sharing big wins, does anybody else have personal wins, professional wins, can be big or small if you landed a deal or made a new hire? Starting partnership. Can I share another one? Yeah, do it. One? Yeah. So, guys, um, my biggest wholesale deal ever was one hundred and five thousand. We have a hundred and ten thousand dollar wholesale deal closing next week, 
And then the week after we have a hundred and I think it's going to be, we don't have an official number, but it's probably going to be at about 107,000. So we have two wholesale deals making over six figures in the next two weeks. So, you know, not too freaking shabby. I'm I'm joke, man. Yeah, that's amazing. And you could tell how systematic your business is based on the fact that you know what you're going to profit on it before you've even closed it and made it official. Mm -hmm. That's just an amazing skill. Um, How do you do it, man? Uh, good team members, <laughs> good team members, good processes for sure. Yeah. Uh, Jessup nice for working on that first deal. Love to hear that in the chat there. Love it. Um, I know our win, uh, we were talking about this as we got on here, but we, we just came from the wholesaling and growth summit last weekend and had a blast there. That was a, a great event. Um, you know, Monday was a little bit of a recovery day cause we, I got in like 2 a.m. But, uh, you know, it was uh, definitely worth it. So that was a that was a great event. Um, Please win. Nice. Awesome. Jessup, Gene. There you go. Gene, do you, do you want to talk about that any, at all? I don't know if you're in a spot where you can talk, man, but. Super exciting. Uh, yeah. Gene here, guys. Uh, just closed on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I wish I was in back in Miami, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, just closed on a, a rental last week. Um, closing on another one on Monday, but uh, set two solo appointments today. So excited about that. Huge. Awesome, man. Great, great, uh, great seeing you as always too. Likewise. Thanks. Matt Butler. What's up, Matt? I saw Matt at the summit last weekend. How's it going? Good. Good to see you again. You have my camera, but uh, let's fix that. Cook down some food real quick. So now we can see your beautiful face and your Texas proud flag. That's right. That's right. He even said it Texas style. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Texas. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks, guys. Can't always help that. So. Oh no, I love it. I love <laughs> Texas. God, I love it. I was down there in uh, El Paso like a month ago. Yeah, love that place. Any uh, anybody else willing to share things they're working on, or bit you know, big or small wins from last week before we uh, jump kick it over to Zach here? That's three three deals, Chad. You see that one? Oh, there we go. Nice, Chad. Good stuff. Three deals on owner financing, $167,000. I assume that's, are you assigning the owner financing or is this projected net worth increase? Those are, yeah, those are, those are three different deals. Um, I bought the property and then I'm doing owner financing. And those are the profits on those three for the doing two years out for each each one um at 10 percent interest on each one so um yeah that was awesome dude good for you dude that's exciting work. driving yeah. for dollars leads uh no these were letters they sent out um to the county gotcha but i still use driving for dollars i've got a i've got an airbnb that i've captured through um um yeah through the app so deal, deal machine app, so I think it was the, my face. I don't really know. <laughs> I put my face on there and I was like, oh, this is cheesy. But it was an it was a older lady. I guess she thought I was cute. I have no idea. <laughs> I love it. Do you, do you want to get more specific when you say letters to the county? I see Lee asked about that. Oh, yeah. So I either use PropWire or I just get um, you can use. Uh, well, you could you can just call the county or email the county and have them just send you every every person who owns property in the county and then i have someone in in the philippines that scrubs the list for me um 
And then I put I put offers on my letters that I send out. And the letters and offers are based upon tax value. Oh, wow. And sometimes I get people cussing me out. Yeah. Sometimes I get people, let's do it. And then, so. So are so you how many, like offerletter.com or are you just sending like handwritten one by one with your VA saying X percentage of tax value? Yeah, so well, I get the list and I do a mail uh, merge. Well, I used to do a mail merge and then I would handwrite the envelopes, but then I went to uh, Postcard Mania and they do like the written uh, envelopes. So my offers, I have an Excel sheet with just the offers that the lady, whoever I get to put in the offers um, and scrubs the list to make sure that they're not landlocked, make sure. And a lot of times I'm just doing those three deals are just land. They're not houses. Mm, okay. So, yeah. Um, uh, there's, there's nothing. Yeah, I was going to say, you're doing that with residential housing. I was like, I've never heard of anyone sending offer letters on residential housing, but on land, that makes sense. We're, we've, we're doing that as well, actually, in Florida. I do it, I do it on houses as well. Um, Is it working for you on houses? Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a, at least 10 houses that way. What percent? Are, are these tax delinquents, Chad? No, these are not tax delinquents. Okay. These are, just all the properties in your county. Yeah, yeah. And uh, what's up? What's up, Carl? What's happening? <laughs> I got I got a quick wild jump wind too. We got this one deal. The bids up to one eighty six. It's a multiple air situation. We own ninety percent of it for probably about twenty grand. It's probably like a hundred, probably about a hundred thousand dollar net deal by just buying out fractional interest. It's a rundown raggedy house, tax delinquent, dead person. And I'm um, pretty excited about it. It's been a lot of work, a lot of calls, a lot of convincing, a lot of building out the family trees, but it should be at least a $100,000 deal, uh, excess proceeds deal. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, you know, looking at the past recordings as well, uh, Uncle Carl's talked about, you know, you building out family trees and things like that before. So definitely look back at those. Uh, if, uh, you know, if you're trying to track down somebody, he's a master at that. So um, congrats, man. And, and, and I know uh, really quick here too, Chad, I, I, for anyone on here who has List Builder inside Deal Machine Unlocked as well, I think some of what you're doing could be explored that way too. So um, if you have any, again, Deal Machine specific questions, uh, go hang out at Ryan's office hours, which Ryan, if you can put those hours again in the chat, um, you know, he can he can show you some more List Builder stuff and, uh, you know, how to, how to do some of the stuff you're describing there. Um, we're, we're actually going to have on sometime in May, we're having Brent Bowers on, uh, talking about vacant land as well. So, uh, just keep an eye on your email and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, have him on for one of these masterclasses too. So, yeah, man, I'm, I, I'm really interested in talking to, um, oh my, I lost, I lost your name, Chad. Um, I'm really interested in talking to you more, Chad. I want to learn more of what you're doing there and how you're doing it exactly and get exact metrics. Cause I've never heard of anyone doing what you're doing with with actual single family homes curious about your market and all those things so if you'd be willing to chat and to speak with me can you shoot me a direct message on instagram or facebook i'd love to jump on a call with you um one of my favorite things about teaching and coaching is i get to learn too right like i get wind of something new i want to know uh so super cool i'd love to to talk to you um thanks awesome and Oak, you're killing it on the uh, on the weightlifting competitions, man. It's nuts. <laughs> um, yeah, just just a little little PR, but it it moved easy. There's plenty more in the tank. Love it. Um, what, what was it? Deadlift? What was he lifting? It was a closed grip bench press for three sixty. Three sixty. It's ridiculous. Yeah. 
Dude, I deadlifted that once. (laughs) That's crazy, dude. Um, Your name is fitting. I grew into it. I got it for my birthday. So it all works out well. Yeah. I love it. Uh, And then I don't know, Zoom user, if you can update your name on there too. Uh, Congrats on closing that first deal too. But all right. Um, Good stuff, guys. Well, I think... Uh, appreciate you all stepping up and sharing what, what you've got going on. I like, love to hear that throughout the whole community, you guys closing deals and it, it's inspiring for everybody here. So um, I will kick it over to Zach here. He's again, the number one guy for driving for dollars and truly a master at negotiating with sellers like this um, scaled his business to seven figures very quickly. And, you know, is really, uh, you know, doing that and also giving back through coaching students as well, which again, when you can see his, his student wall behind him that we pointed out earlier, uh, and, and he puts out awesome content. Like he does the 40 day challenge on YouTube. Highly, highly recommend watching that one. Um, I don't know if we have a link to that, Zach, that you could share too, but that, you know, that's was a phenomenal series. If anyone's seen it, he's got a, a great podcast as well. Um, DFD mastery. So, uh, Zach, if you want to maybe give just a little more on your background and journey and then, uh, jump right in, man, go for it. Yeah. So I started as an entrepreneur young at 17 as a window cleaner, grew that business for a decade and was completely sick and tired of it and jumped into real estate. Had some great mentors, great people along the way that that supported me and, and helped me have a lot of success, a lot of blood, sweat and tears. But um, now, uh, you know, for the last handful of years, I've made over over a million dollars a year doing this stuff. Um, absolutely love it. Accidentally became a coach. Uh, never was an intention to do so. I fell in love with that. I love helping people. Just so you guys know, I'm going to drop a massive amount of value here and I'm not getting paid to do this at all. And that's completely okay. I'm not asking for anything from any of you guys. I just really want to help you guys. So one of the topic, the topic today, just so you know, is something that I'm very passionate about because it's the negotiation process. Where What we do and how we do this part of our business will affect much more than just how much money we make, but it'll also affect the industry. It'll be affect, it'll affect the way that we're perceived in the real estate industry. It'll affect regulation. It'll affect so many different things. So making sure this is done right is long-term so very important. So this is something that I think is so important, right? So I'm excited about this, but um, you know, just so you guys know, if you like what I'm teaching, what I'm saying, how I'm saying it, make sure you check out my free content. So my podcast, Driving for Dollars Mastery, is a great place where I do a ton of education, teaching exactly what we do, how we do it, what I teach these guys, what these guys are paying me to do. A lot of them are on the show, what they did, how they did it, granular, step-by-step, so you guys can take and implement, right? My goal is to, yes, coach people that want my personal time, want my help, But more than anything, my content, my free stuff, this stuff here, I want it to live on forever. I want it to bless thousands, hundreds of thousands of lives, more lives than I can coach with my own personal time. So I just want you guys to know that I truly am here to help you and support you. Um, uh, Alfonso said, followed you on on YouTube podcast. Thank you, guys. Um, Yeah, if you guys want to check out that 40-day challenge, I did a 40-day challenge, flew across the country. I made $93,000 in just 40 days doing driving for dollars with only $1,000 in marketing. Um, That was it. Uh, with smartphone and a car, of course. And, um, you know, it's free. If you go to my YouTube channel, real estate, um, what is my YouTube channel called? I should probably know that. Oh, driving for dollars, three <laughs> dash Zach booth. Um, and just go to yeah. playlist to watch that 40 day challenge. Um, all right. Look, the topic today is how to handle objections, negotiations, right? 
Um, I don't have like a script or a format to go through, but this is just a handful of things that I want you to do. So I think it'd be beneficial if you guys want to have a pen and paper to maybe make, take some notes because I'm going to cover a lot of information very quickly. So the first thing, the first rule of thumb that I always cover, not just for what I teach, but also myself, whether I'm negotiating a real estate deal, whether I'm negotiating hiring someone, whether I'm negotiating with a potential student, uh, the first rule of thumb is if it was a family member that I love dearly that was on the other end of this negotiations, would I treat my script or my negotiation strategy differently? If your negotiation strategy changes, if a family member calls to sell you their house, if it changes from what you're currently doing, you need to reevaluate what you're doing. You need to change it. It needs to be changed. Because if you cannot 100% do exactly what you're doing when it's someone that you actually care about, you are not working with high integrity and it's actually costing you money. Because people can smell the bullcrap. One of the number one things that I get from people that want to be my students, they say, Zach, I see that you're authentic. What does that mean? Is it I'm authentic? No, they see that I mean what I say. They see that I truly am who I say that I am. I'm not faking that I actually care about people. I'm not faking that I do what I believe in, right? And so I want you guys to write that down. That's the first rule of thumb, okay? So what I mean by that is I, I actually had this realization when um, – when I was negotiating and when I was coaching people that were really struggling with negotiations, what happened is I had my cousin call me, uh, his name's Brent. And he said, Hey, Zach, I want you to buy my house. I said, well, Brent, um, you know, you know, I'm an investor, right? And I, I make money when I buy houses. He said, yeah, I know. I'm like, okay, well, you know, what's the situation? Why wouldn't you just fix it up or, or just list it with a real estate agent and try and squeeze out as much as possible? What's going on? Well, I, you know, I need to relocate quickly. My, my wife, um, you know, is going through liver failure. We're moving to Salt Lake. I've already got a new job. If I can get out of it, what I owe on it, I'm good. I'm golden. I just, I just need to be done quick. You know, could you pay what I owe? I said, what do you owe? Let me do my research. We figured out what made sense and took care of him. I made some money. He was able to get what he needed. And I was like, damn, that was an easy deal. Right. And that's when it was all born. It was like, that's how it needs to be. Because what happened is I used to be a doubter. I used to think that real estate wholesaling was not possible. I used to see these gurus on right line and say they're full of shit. They're selling courses because they can't make money. Who else has thought that? Anyone? Chime in if you've thought that. I've thought it. And it's 100% true for a lot of them, by the way. It is. I want you to know that. It's legitimately a fair concern. So I was very doubtful of the reality of becoming wealthy in real estate because of this. And I was washing windows for a very wealthy gentleman. He was actually a real estate developer. His name was Stan Nielsen. And I was washing his windows and I, you know, heard about his story, how he became wealthy, how he retired in his early thirties as, as a developer and quit as a, as a civil engineer. Um, and I remember saying at the end of the conversation, you know, he was so genuine and kind and nice and telling me his story. And I said, man, if I could just get two rentals this year, it'd be life-changing. And he gave me two properties at such a huge discount. I turned around and sold them a year and a half later for over, um, between the two of them, I made about 130,000 profit. And I was like, holy shit, that's a deal of a lifetime. He knew more than me. I remember being terrified to sign the agreement because he put it on a piece of white blank paper, what we were agreeing to with the seller finance terms. 
And I'm like, whoa, whoa, we can't sign this. And he's educating me and telling me to take it to the title company and talk to an agent to make sure I was getting a good deal and double check the rents. Like he educated me because he didn't want to deal with it. He liked me. And everything that I had been hearing those gurus made it made sense, right? It is possible, but how do we do it consistently? How do we find these deals consistently? We need to find people that we can help and serve and that are okay with us making money because of the speed and convenience factor. That's when I invested into a coach. I, I hired Tom Kroll back in the day from Wholesaling Inc. Uh, the founder of that company. And um, you know, it was, it was an incredible experience. I had a lot of success, but it only happened because I believed. And the whole reason I did the 40 day challenge guys um, and before I left, I prayed, I said, you know, I said, I want to find, um, I want to find a Stan Nielsen for the world. I want them to have the blessing that I was given the gift of meeting a guy that was willing to sell speed and convenience overpriced, had money, didn't care, wanted that. Right. I met Jerry Tidwell. I signed three contracts with him on day four, right. Called him off a wrong phone number. And I happened to say, well, you don't happen to have any other properties you'd like to sell. Do you? He said, actually I do. <laughs> right. Best question ever. And I remember being an emotional mess because it was a gift that I wanted to give the world. Right. And I believe that we can make a ton of money and we make more money when we're honest because we don't convince anyone to sell at a discount. If you think that you have to be a good salesman and convince someone to do something, um, it's, it's a misconception. And I see this all the time that people think I'm a really good salesman and I'm good at convincing people. And that's not the truth at all. I'm good at finding people that want my help. So um, I discovered this when I was washing windows, actually. So I built a window cleaning business where we were doing about a half a million dollars a year in window cleaning sales, right? That's a lot of freaking window cleaning. And I built all of that business by door-to-door sales, just me, right? And I discovered that my pitch needed to be, hey, I'm doing bids for window cleaning. Do you want a bid for window cleaning? If it was no, I'd say, do you want a postcard? They said, no, I would literally just take off running, <laughs> right? Because the faster I could get to the next door and, and, and I knew how many doors I had to knock to get an answer. I knew how many answers I had to get um, to, to get a yes to a bid. And I knew how many bids I had to get to get a contract. And it was a very mathematical equation. And it was no convincing whatsoever. And I found that it's the same thing in this business. We have to ask the question though, why don't you, you know, sell it with an agent? Why don't you fix it up? Why don't you keep it with a, you know, um, you know, as a, as a rental, why don't you go through those things? What that does is it quickly qualifies them as, you know, they don't really want an investor. I'm wasting my time and not getting to that next person faster. What it also does is it builds trust. It builds trust because you literally have their best interest at heart at that point, and they see it and it's authentic. Because if they say, well, I could you know, list it with an agent and make more, it's like, yeah, you definitely could. Maybe I'm not the best fit for you. I mean, I could make it fast and convenient, but if you're trying to make as much as possible, you know, deal with an agent. And they're like, well, I don't really want to do that. It's like, okay, well, I could come meet with you, you know, without understanding. I just, you know, I want you to know what I do and what I offer if that's what you're looking for. Then you show up to that appointment and you're the one that's on their side trying to solve the problems they're dealing with. And then the other guy that shows up is lying to him about value and saying that they can get more and they can get full retail when they know that that's all BS, right? So um, keeping that in mind is, is so very important, right? That it's, it's the, the goal is to find the people that we can help, that we can serve. So that I want that is the foundation of all the negotiations that you do. 
Um, the next part of this is I want to cover objections, sellers objections, um, and lead objections. So there's two types of objections that I've discovered in this business. There's the, the preliminary objections um, that I'll cover. And then there's the objections right at the closing table. Like when people say, um, you know, or where you give an offer and you're trying to negotiate to sign the agreement at, 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 the, uh, at the close of the appointment, you're going to get objections like, I need to talk to my attorney, right? I need to review the contract with the attorney. Some of the others is I need to talk to my dad. I need to talk to my kids because I'm going to die soon and they're going to inherit the money. I need to talk to someone, right? That's the second one. The next one is I don't take make any rash decisions. I like to sleep on it. That's the next huge objection you're going to get at the closing table. And we're going to cover those last. Those are the common objections that we're going to get. We're going to cover those. The first objections that I want to cover though are the objections around um, the preliminary stuff. Because what is our job in the very beginning of the call is discovering what they want and why they want it. So when we first get a hold of someone, whether they're cold calling or driving for dollars list, we're texting, door knocking, postcarding, you're going to get objections. And the objections are in forms of questions. Every question you get with a seller is an objection. Their questions mean more than what they're asking. For example, if you call someone and you say, hey, you know, uh, this is Zach. I was uh, wondering if you'd like to sell 123 Elm Street. And they say, who are you? Right? They're, they're not just saying, who are you? They don't want to know who your name is. They don't want to know who you are. They want to know why the hell you're calling them. Why are you interested in the property? There mean, there's a lot more that they're worried about. Are you a scammer? What's this about? How did you get my phone number? This is all the thoughts they're having. And it comes out as, how did you get my number, right? Because if you, if you say, yeah, my name's Zach, and then you stay quiet, what is going to happen? They're going to ask you another question and another question and another question um, to the point where they're like, okay, well, whatever. I'm not interested. And they're going to hang up. And you're going to be like, man, they asked me all these questions. Are they interested in selling? Who's had this happen where like you just got, you, you asked the initial question and then you got interviewed by them and then they hung up. Who's had this ever happen? Okay, I see some hands moving. The reason for this is they, they fired with an objection. The rule, the rule is this, so there's an analogy. You run from a dog, it'll chase you. You chase a dog, it'll run from, run, run from you. Who's heard this analogy? Okay, it, it doesn't mean sellers are dogs, right? But, but it's a good analogy because if, if they ask a question, it's objection. They're pulling away every question. You know, who are you? Are you, you know, you know, could you really buy my house? Is this a scam? You know, how did you get my phone number? These are objections, them pulling away. And if all you do is answer the question, you're chasing them. They're pulling away with every question. And every time you answer, you're coming forward. So instead of saying, hey, um, you know, I'm wondering if you'd be interested in selling your, your house at 123 Elm Street, right? And they go, yeah, who is this? Simply answer the question, fine, but immediately fire back with a question. Because what you're doing is you're taking control of the conversation. You're pulling away. You say, yeah, my name's Zach. I was wondering if you thought of selling that property. Do you want to sell the property? Well, how'd you get my number? They don't even answer your question. Oh, I got it from public records. You seem annoyed. It doesn't sound like you want to sell. Do you not want to sell your house? Right? Like you immediately, you answer it bluntly to the point 
and be to the point with your question. I don't want to annoy you, but do you not want to sell your house? Right? You don't owe them an explanation to anything. Give it to them out of respect, but your job's to qualify them. Your job's to be on that door. Do you want to bid for window cleaning? I'm doing bids for window cleaning. If they say no, do you want a flyer? And what the do you want a flyer question is, no, I don't want to sell. Okay, out of the blue, you know anyone else would like to sell their house? No, okay, goodbye. Next. I hang up. I don't even do pleasantries. I remember on the 40-day challenge, I'd have students coming out to the live, you know, I'd let them come and hang out with me. And I'm dialing through people, just hanging up on people. As soon as I qualify, I'm boom, next, 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 next. I'm in a hurry. And they're like, Zach, you're so rude. I'm like, I know, but I have 40 days. Guys, we have such a short amount of time in our lives, right? We owe it to the people that we can help. We owe it to our families. We owe it to ourselves to have success quickly and find the people that we're trying to serve. You only find the people that we need to serve by asking intelligent questions and pre-qualifying them. So the objections, the first objections you're ever going to deal with are answering those preliminary questions that they're firing at you. So the rule of thumb is the person in control of the negotiations, the person in control of the conversation is the one listening, the one that then fires back with a question and listens, not the person convincing and chatting. There is nothing more obnoxious than having a salesman that won't shut up. Who's had this experience? It is so obnoxious. They think that they can, they can just woo you into spending money. And it just makes you want to run for the hills, right? Who's had this? Like, they're like, dude, I can't get out of this dealership fast enough. I can't get out of this store fast enough. I can't get all this call fast enough. I just want to hang up on this guy, right? So Alfonso said, I'm guilty of talking. Yeah, you don't talk. Your job is to find out if you can help them. You ask questions like, yeah, I just wondering if you wanted to sell. Oh, you do? Well, great. Well, you know, do you have a, a, a time frame you'd like to sell? Well, what's the condition of the house? You know, well, it sounds like it's in decent condition. You have tenants, it sounds like, you know, why don't you just keep renting the property? Why would you consider selling to me? Well, I don't know. You called me. Why do you want to buy it? Yeah, I'm an investor looking for an opportunity. Maybe I'm not a fit for you, though. Um, you know, why don't you just keep it as a rental? I'm just trying to see if I can help you. Do you not want to sell it? Do you want to sell it? I'm just trying to figure out what you really need. Oh, well, well, you called me. It's like, well, fair enough. And we could come to a price that makes sense for both of us, but you might actually make money working with someone different than me. That's why I'm asking these questions. Is it okay if I ask you a few more questions or am I annoying you? Right? No, 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 you're not annoying me, right? But if they keep pulling away, when you pull away, they're tire kickers. You're going to quickly get tire kickers off the phone doing that. And you're going to pull people to you and really find out if you can help them, Right? So that's the, the important stuff that you need to understand with, with you know, having those conversations in the beginning. One thing that I would highly suggest to you guys, do less pre-qualifying over the phone in the beginning. If you're not like super confident and comfortable, it's a thousand times harder to do this over the phone. Why? Because you can't see facial expressions. You can't see people sitting with their arms folded. You can't see their body, right? And it's a lot harder for people to be an asshole to you in person. It's going to be a lot easier to get to the root of what's going on, right? So one of the reasons I won't coach someone to do virtual wholesaling in the beginning is this number one fact. It's so much easier in person. Um, and if you're doing virtually, you can do it virtually. I suggest getting Zoom. 
just like this. So you can see them, right? Set a virtual appointment to talk to them once they do, they do say they want to sell. Your job's to get to, yes, I want to sell my house. Great. I'd love to meet with you. My offer largely depends on the condition of the house and where I'm at. You know, would you meet with me at the property and let me look at it? Um, or could you send me pictures of the house so I can figure out what we're at with condition? Um, and then we can go over it and then we can jump on a Zoom call and discuss it, right? So you have the opportunity to, to speak with them and figure out what their needs are. So while you're going through figuring out what their needs are, what their problems are, you're authentically asking questions, right? Well, what's the price that you want? How much do you want? How much do you want to walk away with? Keep asking all those questions to get a number out of you, right? And when they give you some high pie in the sky, right? You need to be anywhere between 150 and 200,000 to make money. And they want 400,000 for the property, right? Where'd you come up with that number? Why is that your number? You know, my price range is going to be way below that. And it's going to offend you, I think, because we're not, I'm not even half of what you're asking. You know, is that going to offend you? Are you going to hang up on me if we start talking numbers down in that range? Like everything that I say, I say it with a question. Does that make sense? Because I want to understand where they're coming from. I want to keep them talking. I don't want to justify my numbers. I don't want to justify why that's. I don't want to ever get stuck in a position where I'm the one telling, but I'm the one asking and listening. Um, so once we once you get to that closing table, right? There's a lot of things that happen between that preliminary call, handling objections throughout the conversation, how you present your offer, how you present a range, not an exact number, how you ask them if they're, you know, willing to take a number in a certain range before you ever just give them a contract or an official number, overcoming those objections that they'll give you. For example, you know, someone might say $105,000, right? And you're like, okay, yeah, I could do 105,000. Let me get the paperwork. And they're like, well, I need to have, I need to have, right? So the first rule of thumb to overcome certain objections, the first one being, I need to talk to so-and-so. I need to get my wife on here. You need to have all decision makers on the call or the appointment. So I do a couple preliminary things before every appointment. I will check title. I'll check county records um, and, and figure out who's on title. If it's an LLC, I will ask the seller. I see that it's owned under you know, Smith Properties LLC, uh, you know, who's who's a beneficiary, who's in charge of that? Are you 100% owner of that LLC? Um, I want to make sure that if there's someone else, a partner in that, that they're involved in the discussion. If they're not, if they're like, you know, my first deal ever, I asked that question and there is a strange partnership. He's like, nope, you're going to have to talk to my partner because we're not talk talking anymore. And I had to negotiate twice and be the advocate between the two of them because their partnership had gone sour, right? So you got to figure those things out before the appointment because you got to have all decision makers that need to sign. If I see it's owned by a Sam Smith and I'm talking to a John Jones, I'd be like, Sam Smith owns it. Who's John Jones? Oh, well, he died. Oh, who is that? Oh, that was my father-in-law. My wife is only on, you know, one of the beneficiaries. Well, who else is a beneficiary? Has it gone through you know, probate? Right. I'm trying to figure out everything that's really going on with the actual ownership. So I'm negotiating with the right person. Then when I get there and they say, uh, you know, well, this person needs to sign as well. Thank you for the information. I'll take it to them. 
I want to talk to everyone that, that's a decision maker. So you pre you prepare for that objection in the in the beginning. You still will get the objection. I need to talk to so and so. I'll give you an example. I was negotiating deal. Lady um, and her husband were from Mexico. Husband had already moved back to Mexico. She was stuck at the house. The only thing that was keeping her there in the states was this house that needed to be sold. She was there with the kids. hadn't seen her husband in months. She was sad. She was lonely, and she wanted to go home. And um, you know, she was the only one on title. It was it was one hundred percent under her name. I knew this was a situation. We were at the closing table. We'd verbally agreed to a number, and I said, "So if I agreed to that number, are you saying we could put that on paper?" And she said. The famous objection, well, I need to call my dad. He has nothing to do with the situation. So the first number one thing that you do with an objection like this, the one I need to talk to someone, I need to have an attorney review it, I never make a rash decision. You never, you never argue with them. You never say, yeah, but, and argue. Yeah, but my, my, you know, my time's valuable. Well, I need an, an, an answer right now or we're not going to do a deal. When you try and force someone, when you try to strong arm someone, you're going to get the opposite of what you want. The first thing you do is you have to be a human being. You have to treat them as if it was your family member. If your aunt called and said, well, I want to talk to, I want to talk to my, you know, my friend. I want to talk to my friend that has some, some stuff too and see what she do. I would say, okay, yeah, I totally understand. Are, are you, and then I'd ask why? Are you asking because you want to be confident in the number? This is where I dig in more because I want to understand the person. I want to figure out what they want, what they're thinking, what their fears are. So I say, oh, 100%. I, I want you to be comfortable and confident. Are you, are you calling that person because you don't feel confident that I'm giving you a good offer? And I label. I ask a question and I label what I think the answer is. Why do I do this? Because when they're giving objections, at the close table like this, there's a lot of things inside them they're not telling you. They might have an offer already. They might even be under contract with another investor, and they're just trying to figure out what, what your number is because you contacted them once they were under contract. You're going to discover some crazy shit that you had no idea was there. You're going to discover people are dying from cancer at this point. This is when the real objections, this is when the real negotiating begins. And you discover by labeling. So I learned this from Chris Voss. He's a hostage negotiator, right? Um, and the reason we label, we say, okay, I totally understand, um, you know, that you need to talk to someone. Are you, are you wanting to talk to him because you don't feel like I'm giving you a good deal? You label like that because everyone wants to be heard and understood. So if you label something, um, if you label something, they're going to immediately fire back with what the real answer is, what the real problem is. No, no, it's not. It's not that I just would feel way more comfortable talking to my sister um, because she had mentioned that I could move in with her. Oh, so if I buy your house, you're going to need to move in with your sister. Well, what happens if, you know, that's kind of a major issue. What if I buy the house and she won't let you move in? Is that what you're worried about? Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Oh, that's why you want to call your sister. Okay, so what about, um, you know, the worst case scenario, she says no. When did she say that you could? And then you work through those objections and say, well, what if we structured something like this? You might hate this idea, but what if we say you have 30 days to move out of your house? I'm going to give you the majority of your money so you can take that money and go get a rental. And we do what's called an escrow holdback. And I explain it all. I said, what if we did something like that? Would that work? 
Oh yeah, that totally takes care of it. Okay, so if I do that and agree to that with that number, are you saying you we could we could put that on paper and agree and move forward? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Boom, sign the contract, move on. Right? But if you try and fight them on their objections, they're going to um uh not work with you. So a lot of the times they're like, well, I just want to be comfortable with the, the decision. Okay, so you just need to call them. Well, great. I'm super thirsty. I'm going to run over and grab some caffeine at the gas station. I'll be right back. Call your dad and let's see if we can do this deal. And if I get back and you and your dad wants to talk to me, I'll even talk to him. But I'd love to work with you or not work with you. And that's okay. If you don't want to work with me, it won't hurt my feelings. But I'd love for you to talk to your dad. I don't want you to feel like you're making a decision that's not best for you. Right. So I'm going to run to the gas station. I'll be back. That's what I did with this Hispanic lady. And she called her dad. Um, and she's like, I really want you to talk to my dad. I was like, okay, put me on speaker. Let's talk to your dad. And I explained what was going on, what the situation was. I said, do you have any concerns? Do you feel like there's anything that she's missing? I talked to the dad, had his, you know, love and approval for me, right? Because I was authentically going through all of his objections and problems the same way I did with hers. And we signed the agreement right then, right? She was able to sell her house, move on. I made some money. She's with her husband, right? So that's the first objection is I need to talk to someone. And I handled it by agreeing with her and helping her through that process. You'll get things like in this situation, well, I don't even know what my payoff is. Call the title company, right? Work through those problems at the closing table. Um, I learned this rule of thumb from my mentor. Um, so you guys probably know uh, Wholesaling Inc., right? So Tom Kroll is the founder of this company. Uh, his business partner in the coaching business um, um, He spoke at the family event. My goodness. I worked for him. He was my mentor. Why am I spacing his name? Tom? Cody Hoffman. Tom Kroll's business partner in the wholesaling ink business in the beginning. Cody Hoffine. Cody Hoffine. Cody. Oh, yeah, Cody. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys. Cody Hoffine. So Cody Hoffine, I worked for him for a time uh, as an acquisition manager while I was doing it on the side. Um, and his business partner in the wholesaling business here in Utah is, is um, Mark Stubler. My goodness, I'm struggling today, probably because I haven't eaten uh, brain fog. So Mark Stubler um, taught me this. He said that he had a lead one time and he was training me how to be an acquisition manager and overcome objections and overcome problems and solve them. He said that he had a lead one time and it was a, it was the, the dude lived out of state. It was a condo. It was a vacation rental. It was a ski, a ski property for him. And he, he uh, got a call from the guy um, from one of his postcards. And, and he said, yeah, I'd like to sell my house, um, but I'm not coming down to Utah here for a couple months. And when I'm there, I've got a couple other investors going to look at the house. But the situation is, you know, he's like, why don't you just sell it to me now? Like, what's going on? Right. Ask the, the smart question. OK, that's totally fine. But why? Why? you know, then not now. And he said, well, I have a luxury car in the garage, have all my crap in the house. I got to get it all cleaned out and get it empty before I can sell it. So he said, oh, that totally makes sense. Well, you might hate this idea. This is another rule of thumb. Like you never say, okay, fine. But what we're going to do is this, don't do that, right? Because they're going to, they're going to feel like you're controlling the situation and selling them and pushing them. You're problem solving. You're now on their team by saying, you might hate this idea, but what if I did something like this to help you out? Which is, we could pay a professional moving company to ship your car to you and have a professional company box up all your stuff and ship it to you on my dime. 
It'll be my non-refundable earnest money. So, so if we agree on a price, I'll cover those expenses as like my down payment money, right? And um, if I don't perform on the contract, you can sell it to those other people and the house will be vacant. Can we agree on a price and work together today? If I take care of all those things, we can't close on it till you have all your stuff. And did you hate that idea? What do you think? He's like, you would do that? He said, sure, I'd be happy to if we could come to an agreement on a fair price. They agreed on a price and he wholesaled that contract for $60,000. Right. And the other wholesalers are sitting there, right, with their their fingers in their noses, waiting for that guy to call him back still to this day. Right. Because he solved the objection on what they needed. Um, so let's talk about some of the other objections and how I handle them and how um, I solve the problem. Right. These are the these are the sticky ones. Right. I need to have my attorney review the contract. My answer is 100%. You should never sign an agreement unless you're 100% confident with everything it says, right? Is that is that your concern that there might be something in the contract that you don't understand and, and puts you in a bad position? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Okay, fair enough. Well, you might hate this idea, Mr. Seller, um, but we could read through my agreement. We don't have to sign anything. Let's just read through it. I keep it really simple on purpose. So you understand it. So I understand it. So there's no confusion or, or fear that someone's taking advantage of each other. You know, we've kind of gone back and forth and are in the same ballpark of price. You know, we've agreed on that, but you just got to make sure that the, the agreement is understood before you sign anything. Am, am I understanding or is there any other objections or problems that would make you want to work with me? No, 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 there's nothing else. Okay, so do you hate the idea of reading through it? And if you understand everything that we can move forward? Um, is that okay? Right? And the answer will be yes. If I understand everything, I'll sign it. Or it'll be no. No, I still, I still just want to have my attorney. At that point, there's more objections. If you give them a clear and obvious and clean solution to the objection they gave you, it's a false objection. There's objections, there's false objections. Most of the hard objections to cover are false objections. I need to talk to someone. I need to have my attorney review it, or I sleep on it. I don't ever make rash decisions. So when you discover it's a false objection by giving an actual solution to their problem by introducing it, as you might hate this idea, but what if we did something like this? Like, no, I still like to have my attorney review it. It's like, okay, 100%, you could still have your attorney review it. Um, but if you completely understood the, uh, the agreement, why would you want your pay your attorney to review something that you already 100% understand. Well, that's just how I do things. It's like, okay, fair enough. If that's how you want to do things, we can totally do it that way. But I also kind of feel that you, you have other reasons that you don't want to work with me. Do you have other investors coming in? Do you feel like I'm, I'm you know, lowballing you and you're, you're trying to get a second opinion? Is that what's going on? So I just labeled because I'm trying to get to the true objection. Right, you discover limiting or, or false objections by giving solutions to them, but then you find the real problem by introducing and labeling a new problem you think the problem might be. Most people are terrified to do this because they're afraid that they're going to chase the person away, that they're going to uncover the real problems and kill the deal. Well, the thing is, is if you can't uncover the real problems and solve them, the deal was dead and the you know, from the get go, and you never would have got it. Now you're just going to waste more time by following up, following up, following up, following up. 
I learned this doing door-to-door -door sales, okay? I got, I would get to the doorstep, I'd do the bid and I'd give them the offer. You know, the number one and the only objection I had to learn how to overcome was I need to have my spouse approve it. And for the longest time, I would say, okay, definitely talk to your spouse. And I'd call them and guess what they'd say? I forgot, I forgot if I could get a hold of them. And I'd spend hours and hours and hours. It was more useful for my time just to continue to door knock than to follow up. So I never followed up. And that's what many of you are probably dealing with. You have all these people that are right there, but you can't get them to sign a damn paper. It's because you're not overcoming those objections. So what I learned with window cleaning is I would say, um, I'd say, you know what? You're right. You shouldn't spend this kind of money until you've talked to your spouse. I mean, with my spouse, if she wanted to have windows clean, I'd be like, yeah, for sure. But I would want to know about it first. So I totally appreciate what, what you're saying here. You know, you might hate this idea, but what if we schedule a time that makes sense for you? Because you want it, right? We schedule a time for you. And all you have to do is text me at this number right here that you want to cancel the appointment if your spouse says no. Is that fair to save us both time? And if they won't book an appointment with me, I never call them back. I never worry about it. I said, okay, well, if you want it done, call me this number. They really don't want to get their windows clean. They're just too nice to say no to a dumb kid, right? Um, but if they'd say, yeah, yeah, that works. You know how many people texted me back? None of them. Sometimes I'd show up and they'd be like, shit, I forgot to talk to my spouse. I'm like, well, I'm already here. I've already paid my crew to be here. Like, and they'd feel bad. I wash their windows every time. Right. And so I learned to overcome that objection by agreeing with them and giving them a solution. It's the same thing, but we're talking about making tens of thousands of dollars a contract and not a few hundred bucks. Right. So um, the next objection, let's cover the next objection. That's the attorney one. The next, uh, we've covered the, I need to talk to someone. We've talked to the attorney one. Here's the next one. I need to sleep on it. So um, I don't make rash decisions. I sleep on it. First of all, this is always a false objection. If someone goes to the, you know, to the store to buy, you know, to buy something and they see ice cream when they're walking down the aisle and they're like, damn, I want some ice cream. They don't sleep on it. They buy the ice cream. Right. Even they didn't go to the store for the ice cream, but they want ice cream. You know, they didn't necessarily think you're going to show up to that appointment to sign an agreement, but they did want to sell the house. They're just a little bit uncomfortable with you. There's some other false objection. They don't know if you're the best price. There's something else going on. So you want to give them a very fair solution. You agree with them, give them a solution. They'll still say no, or they'll agree to it. If they still say no, it's 100% a false objection and you can get through it, right? So this is how I handle it, okay? Um, I say, you know what? That's fair. I don't want you to feel pressured. I, I feel like... You know, I'm, I've showed up. You don't really know me that well. We've got to know each other. I totally understand. You don't want to sign an agreement without being at peace. You know, you might, you might hate this idea, but to save you time, save me time, since I'm already here, we could sign an agreement. But then on, a, on an addendum, basically, we could write down that you can text me by this time tomorrow to cancel this contract. You don't want to work with me. The exact same damn thing I did with window cleaning. I've used this one so many times. Do people text you back? Yep. Do some people not text you back and move forward? Yep. But the people that do text you back and say, hey, I want to cancel this. I say, okay, 100%. That was in the agreement. Thanks for letting me know, right? It was super nice meeting with you. Do you never want to see me again or talk to me ever again? The answer is no. 
It's like, okay, well, then what happened? Why did you feel like you needed to cancel the agreement? Well, I wanted to get some more offers. Oh, fair enough. Totally get some more offers. You know, I was probably paying a little bit more and I, I think I probably should have just because I, you know, I was there and I was trying to make the deal happen. Um, let me double check my numbers. How many offers are you getting? Oh, I'm getting three more offers. Okay, do you already have people lined up coming out? Do you have days and times? That's awesome. I'm glad that you're going to be a little bit more confident with my offer. You know, what's more important to you to get as much as possible or working with someone that you trust? Both? Okay, why don't we do this? Before you sign a buy and sell agreement with anyone, will you give me a chance to be last? Will you give me a chance to talk to you one last time before you sign an agreement? Because I'd love to work with you. Maybe I can come up on price. Maybe, maybe you know, they're going to be so much higher. And after we talk, I'll tell you to go with someone else, right? But would you at least give me a chance? I can't tell you how many times, guys, I've signed contracts for 10, 20, $30,000 less than contracts they have in their hand that they haven't signed by doing this. Because when people want speed and convenience over price, it's not about the number. It's about who they're working with. It's their confidence that you can take care of the problems. Um, so uh, that's how I handle that last objection. But guys, all of this stuff, all of this scripting, all of this objection handling, none of this would change, bringing it back to how I started. None of this would change if my own mom called me. Seriously. I'd say, mom, you could probably make more doing it this way. I could get you in contact with my agent. Why don't you do it that way? Well, I don't want to deal with it, son. Okay, well, you know, I'm going to make some money dealing with it. And because I got employees and I got a team and I got acquisitions, like, you know, I, I got to charge money because I'm going to be using my team to get through all this stuff. And I'm acquiring expenses to take care of all. Are you okay with that? Yeah, I'm okay with that. Okay. Right. It's the same process, regardless of who's calling me. So, so keep that in mind that this is, this is a very wholesome business, right? We can make money, right? You can make life-changing money, deal after deal. You can do deals of a lifetime every freaking day of your life in a wholesome way. And I didn't believe that was possible. Remember what I said? I believe gurus were full of shit and you couldn't get a deal of a lifetime. And even if you could, you were stealing people's equity. You were taking advantage of them. And I felt like that in the beginning and i hear people comment on my tiktoks and see people comment that stuff on my social media content and i i get it i was in the same headspace i totally agree with them because there are a lot of guys that are doing that and like i said if we negotiate as a whole as every wholesaler every real estate investor if we're negotiating this way and really serving people you will get thank you letters you will have people hugging you you will get referrals you will have people that want to refer their friends and family. You guys will make a fortune off of referrals, right? Plus, you will have a good reputation in the industry as wholesalers solve problems and bless lives, not people that steal equity, right? When you try and lie about what people's house is worth, when you lie that you're you know, barely making any money when you're making a fortune, when, when you are bending the truth to manipulate and take advantage of people, that's when this shit doesn't work. That's when you're banging your head against the wall and you absolutely hate your sellers and they hate you and you hate the industry and you hate everything about this. If you do it differently, though, it can be very fulfilling and wholesome. So that's it. Right on the hour. Wow. Damn, you didn't have that scripted out. That was amazing. <laughs> Just He's a pro. Teach it every day, I guess.
You've dealt with the objections enough. They're just on the back of your hand. That was truly amazing, Zach. Well, the fun part, guys, I get this. Like every single one of these guys have my cell phone. So when they have a deal on the line, I'm helping them through the deal. So I teach this shit probably two, three times a week, right? Because this is the main problem is how do we get them to sign the contracts? So, so for me, like that was one of the big struggles in the beginning is anyone could go driving, right? Anyone can add properties using Deal Machine because Deal Machine makes it so damn amazingly easy to just hit start drive, have to add, you know, add some properties, hit send mail. Anyone can produce leads, but how to get it across the finish line, sometimes that's the main struggle. So that's where I spend the majority of my coaching. Obviously, there's great systems and better ways to get more responses for your marketing dollars. But but yeah, man, like this stuff is this stuff is where where the money's really made. Yeah, I loved how you uh, handled the objection about when somebody said they need to go talk to their spouse. That's one that I've heard several times. And I just said, okay, and didn't handle it well. And then oftentimes, it's hard to get them back on the phone. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's a false objection. That's what happens when, when they say, oh, I need to talk to my spouse. You're like, okay, talk to your spouse. I'll call you tomorrow. And then you can't get a hold of them. And they're like, oh, I forgot. Or, oh, well, guess what? It was a false objection and you didn't handle the false objection. Now it's time to handle the false objection. So you can still salvage these leads, guys, right? Like, well, you said you need to talk to your spouse. You still haven't talked to your spouse. You keep forgetting to talk to your spouse. Um, I feel like that's not really what the situation was. Why don't you want to work with me? I feel like I'm wasting your time and my time. David, do you not really want to sell me your house? No, I do. Okay, well, what do I need to do to get you to sell me my house? Because I feel like I'm wasting your time. Um, well, I just need my spouse here. Gotcha. So can we three-way her on the call? Do you hate that idea? Uh, she's she's in a nail appointment. She's in a nail appointment. So she'll be back tonight at 6 p.m. Could I come to your house and meet with both of you at 6 p.m.? Is that possible? Well, we have dinner, but uh, you could come over for appetizers. Appetizers. Great. What time? Six o'clock. Do you, do you, do you, would you guys like wine? Oh, you're going to bring wine? wine? Absolutely. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm going to give me a little tipsy and I may sign a contract. <laughs> well, that is not the intention. Don't drink it until I leave because I want you to be super confident and happy with the decision of working with me. Fair enough. That's fair. You're very trustworthy, Zach. Okay. Well, thank you guys. We'll all be there. Um, do you guys like red or white? Red, please. Okay. There it is. I will be there. Well, what, what did we say? 737? Six. <laughs> okay. Six. And the plan 100% is we're going to come to an agreement on a price and move forward or not move forward. Fair. That would be ideal. Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure we're on the same page for that appointment. Well, I'm so looking forward to it. We'll see you soon. Okay. Absolutely. Man, way to turn that around. So good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's all about like pushing people to give me a yes or no. It's like, there's nothing more damn annoying than a maybe because that's nothing. That's a time suck. Your job is to authentically be there to help people or not help people and make that very clear. Too many people are so damn afraid to hurt someone's feelings or have someone say they don't want to work with them because that means they're not going to get paid. When in the end of the day, if they're not uh, what Todd Toback says, a truth teller and a truth seeker, right? They're not going to get to the truth of the, of the matter and they're not going to solve the problems. And they're not going to overcome the objections and get a yes or a no. So that was smooth. We got a question from Jake Draves. Hope you're seeing, hope I'm saying your name correctly. So after driving for dollars, how do you source the phone numbers? 
So Deal Machine has great skip tracing. Um, I've also used other companies like Batch Skip Tracing. If I'm going to do like way in depth, if I can't get accurate phone numbers from Deal Machine or Batch Skip Tracing, like it's a vacant house, people are dead, like lots of weird situations. I'll usually door knock the neighbors on vacant houses, figure out the situation if possible. Very rarely will the neighbors give you an, a, a number. Um, but at that level, I go to Skip Genie. Um, as the third and final resource, it's like 200 bucks a month. So I don't highly suggest that it's not like a bulk skip tracer. It's like diving in, figuring out family members of the person and getting phone numbers and like really working to track down that person. So that would be my, my suggestion. Very good advice. Uh, a tool wants to know how to get mentoring with Zach. Yeah, guys. Um, we have a, a special link through Deal Machine uh, to book a call. I can find uh, that. Yeah. I took so, over Matt's hosting responsibilities. <laughs> you go for it, dude. Uh, here we, we go. Got, I we got link. David excited he, after our, uh, <laughs> our role play. For you. There it is. Um, yep. DFDmastery.com forward slash Deal Machine call. So there's the hyperlink in the chat. Just book a time on our calendar. We'd be happy to talk to you guys and, and see if we can help you. Um, so the way the call set up is it's uh, really focusing on where you guys are at in your business. You know, what are your struggles? What are you trying to do? And ultimately what, what you can have and what's possible for you. Um, and, you know, obviously we can talk about the coaching and, and how we can help you get there. Regardless, it's about helping you on that call, right? I keep the same rule of thumb all the way through everything and absolutely everything I'm involved with and touch is making sure there's value associated with everything that we do with you guys. So I know there'll be a lot of value there, but if you guys want to talk about the coaching as well, we can. Um, and if it's not something that you want to be a part of, it's not a fit. We'll discover that on the call and it won't hurt our feelings as well, right? This is, I'm not here to convince you to be my student. I would love for it to be the case. If you're struggling, I know for a fact, 1000% I can help you. I can get you across that finish line, no doubt in my mind. Um, and so if, if that's something you're looking for, I'd be, I'd be honored, but it's, it's not something that's required or even needed to get on that call. So definitely jump on that call. Awesome. And we did have the link there in the chat. I saw come up. Thanks for posting that, Matt. Yeah. So, uh, Scott wants to know in Phoenix, would you recommend he drive for dollars there or go virtual in a different market? Phoenix, Phoenix, do it where you are. It's so much easier to do wholesaling where you're at hundred percent. I mean, Utah, Guys, the thing is, it's competitive everywhere. But the, the reason why driving for dollars is so amazing is no one has your exact same list. No one has your exact same list. Like, that's it. Like, like to me, it's like, duh, like it totally makes sense, right? Like, how do you scale a business when they get 10 text messages a day? How do you scale a business when there's three people on the, the appointment that day trying to buy the house? You're not going to compete. Um, and so if you're using prop stream and some of these other data places, can you make money off of them? A hundred percent, but especially in the competitive places, you need a, a niche. You need a place that you can proactively, um, build revenue without a ton of investment upfront and, and driving for dollars. There's nothing like it. Like I do radio ads, for example, and I was just looking at it. My, my revenue, uh, or sorry, the amount of money I spend on marketing versus the revenue I make is like anywhere between nine and 18%. So it's almost nothing. That means I have like an 80 to 90% ROI after marketing to cover my team expenses and profits. Like it's really easy to pull a 50% profit margin. So when I have these two six figure deals come out, I'm going to make six figures guys. Like in my pocket, 
that I go and cherry pick rentals, do whatever I want with, right? Um, but with like radio, I'm 33 to 40% of my revenue goes towards marketing. It's really hard to scale. It's really hard to dump money back into spending more money on marketing, et cetera, right? Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Even if you're in a market that feels competitive, it's better to go drive for dollars than the actual market. That's why I did driving for dollars because Utah is getting my ass kicked with everything else. It was out of necessity, guys. Um, one other piece of advice for the Phoenix market, um, because the price point's higher, we've noticed anecdotally, it just you got to find more distressed properties, but the profits are bigger, you know. So um I'd say aim for a thousand. What's your advice, Zach? That was just off the, the top. The of my mathematic head. equation is this: your average wholesale fee should be ten percent of the ARVs. So if it's worth four hundred thousand, your average deal should be forty grand, um, and then your cost should be twenty five percent of the deal or less for your marketing. So if you make forty grand, what's twenty five percent of forty grand? Right, twenty five percent of forty grand is eight uh, ten grand. Ten grand. So you could spend up to ten thousand dollars in marketing between postcards, texting, and cold calling, and that's hiring cold callers, hiring drivers. That's fully automated hiring people out. It'll be more like single digits expenses if you're doing it yourself and you know how to talk to people, of course. Mm -hmm. uh, but but yeah, that's the mathematical equation. So yeah, higher price point houses, you're getting higher, bigger deals, but your cost per lead is higher as well. That math is really helpful. Yeah. Nice. Trying to keep up with the Q&A in the, in the chat here. We had a ton of people blowing it up saying how much they appreciated it, Zach. So uh, thank you so much. I mean, for, for each of these two, like we're going to have this recording up uh, before the end of the week for you guys at content.dealmachine.com. So um, all of this, make sure to rewatch it. I mean, Zach dropped so much knowledge. That was, that was awesome, man. So <laughs> Um, someone you. asked the, so I bought two properties in Tampa on the 40 day challenge that I kept as rentals. Um, two of them from Jerry Tidwell actually kept them as rentals. I think I made like 40,000 in cash flow in the last, you know, two years or so. It's close to that. And then I sold both of them for about a $35,000 profit each. So overall, just those two deals made me, um, I think it was about six figures or darn close, which is about what I figured I'd make. And I Zach Booth is my, he is my hero. Zach Booth is my hero. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't say that. Can I, once you're all done with questions, I have a final one that's unrelated to objections. Yeah. So I have a rental property and the tenant texts me, they got a $4,000 water bill. And so as a landlord, if there was a leak, I mean, I would pay for that, but I had a plumber come out once and he said there's no issues the meter's not even running currently and uh so i told the tenant go call the water company and tell them it must be an error the water company refuses that it was an error and so i'm sending the plumber out just a second time again but i mean what it's just their job to work it out with the water company i mean do you think i have any obligations as a landlord to work on this any further because april utilization seems back to normal <clears throat> So I honestly don't know. So what I was thinking about is how I would handle it. And from the training I got, so Chris, Chris Voss talks about this um, in his book. So how to negotiate and keep everyone happy, because I understand the mission here is not only to um, solve the problem, but also to keep your tenant happy. 
you don't want them to be disgruntled, pissed off. You know, they, you want them to be in, you know, friendly with you to let you know if shit's happening and, and pay rents and all those things too. Right. Plus right. it's the, the right thing to do. So what Chris Voss talks about when there's a hostage situation and he says, I want a pilot, I want a, a you know, a plane and I want a billion dollars and I want to be f- flown to a country where you can't bring me back, you know? And his response is, I totally understand you want all those things. How do you expect me to do that? And then it puts the, the burden back on the other person wanting it. Yep. Because okay. then you're now on their team trying to solve the problem with them. But then yeah. it's, an, it's an impossible problem. So this is an impossible problem. You've done the research. You've paid for plumbing. Um, you know, the utilities or this situation, like, what do we do? I don't know. That's what you take to them. Yeah. Say, well, this that's... is what I've done. I've paid for this. What do we like? What, what do you do? What do we do here? What do you want me to do? Is there anything I could do? I, I want to help you out. Cause that's crazy. Like, what yeah. do we do here? Because yeah, now you're on the team with them. That's, that's great advice. Thanks. I'm going to do that. Yeah. Because then they'll be like, I don't know. Do we get an attorney? I don't know. Like, do you have a good attorney that you could call? Maybe I could refer you to one. I like that. Thank you so much. That's how I would handle it. Yeah. Who knew Chris Voss hostage would work with toilets? Dude, as he says, everything is, is negotiations. Have you seen his wife? She's pretty cute. And that guy is not that attractive. So no, I haven't seen his wife. (laughs) You got to look that up. I saw that the other day on one of his marketing things. I laughed so hard. I hate that kind of marketing, by the way, is to market your wife is like, but it's kind of funny because he's a negotiator, you know, and is and he's an ugly man with a beautiful woman. So it just made me laugh. I'm gonna have to clear up my Google search after this call. <laughs> Chris Voss, Chris Voss wife. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, thank you for staying so long, too, Zach. I appreciate you staying overtime, man. Um, Ryan, do you want to put your? I don't know if he had to jump. If, if you're still on here, Ryan, if you could put your office hours in the chat. If oh, there he is. I see you. Put your office hours in the chat one more time. Uh, any like deal machine specific questions? Um, you know, Ryan's got uh, you know a ton of different options to jump on there. Uh, do you have time for one more from Robert right here, Zach? Sure. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Robert. See you have your hand raised. Hey, hey, Zach. Great, um, great stuff. I appreciate it. But I want to know, uh, like, what are you guys doing for like the owner types for uh, absentee owners and the corporate owners? Like, are, how are you guys reaching out to those guys and what, what's the conversation between those guys? Such a great question. Great question. So I had this question years ago. Um, Zach, uh, does it make sense to contact owner-occupied driving for dollars leads, right? Is it financially make sense? Does it make sense to cold call or text the corporate owned? Does it make sense to, you know, door knock this subsection of your list? So my KPIs, um, can you allow screen share? Matt yeah, can, yeah. Yeah, give me one second here. Uh, you should be good now. So just to show you that I'm actually giving advice that I know what I'm saying because I got data backing it um, and not just making shit up. So I break out, so I do week to week KPIs. This is my KPI template and I run totals for quarter, year, that kind of stuff. So these are my my financials, just in my Utah operation, we do Florida um, as well. We also do Florida land. Um, so we have lots of, we actually have three different KPI sheets. This is just a subsection of my business. Um, but I break up my driving for dollars list into four subsections, driving for dollars absentee, driving for dollars owner occupied, 
driving for dollars, corporate owned. And uh, we call it the Hayden list, or it's, I guess it's bad ones now. Um, you can call it the turd list, whatever. This is the worst of the worst that we tag. The ones that look vacant, the ones that totally look like they're in transition. When we tap to add the property, we then add a tag and, and tag it bad ones. So we pull that subsection out. So when we export our list from Deal Machine, we have the opportunity to um, do different campaigns. So when I send a batch of postcards, I have a different tracking number for absentee owner, corporate owned, same with texting, cold calling, and postcards. My cold calling campaigns have different uh, stuff. So like, get this. So my driving for dollars, absentee owner subsection, I know how many exact minutes to seconds that we cold called this subsection of our list. Um, and I know which cold caller dialed. So Mary called this many hours, 69 hours, 58 minutes and seven seconds. Uh, jo Joanne called 25 hours, 12 seconds and or 12 minutes and zero seconds on the dot to this subsection of my list. I know how many leads appointments, how many text messages, how many postcards, how much I spent to the dime and how much money um, I made on that subsection of the list. And I lost $4,000 in that section of time, right? Um, overall, I get an ROI on every single one of them. So I text, cold call, and postcard. Um, hold on. Hey, Darren, I'm on with Deal Machine. I saw you double called me as an emergency or call you back in about five minutes. Okay, very important. I'll call you back. Bye. Well, Darren, hey. <laughs> Darren Bentley, rock star. Yeah. Um, helps me in the coaching business. So um, we have... Um, the only thing that I have found that's not very accurate is you can see from corporate owned, I only postcard this subsection. I have found that getting phone numbers um, for this is very inaccurate unless you go to opencorporates.com, figure out who filed the LLC and skip trace with the address and the person that filed the LLC. Then you can get accurate enough phone numbers that you actually get the right information. But it makes sense to do texting, cold calling, and postcards to every other subsection of your list. It's worth door knocking your app, your, your turd list as well. That's the only list that we door knock, by the way, is the, the worst of the worst properties. And that's only, we only door knock if we can't get a hold of them texting, cold calling, and postcards. We want to know from everyone. Nice. We, uh, you did do a really good KPI breakdown. I remember for one of these last year sometimes. So definitely go in the recordings at content.dealmachine.com and look up Zach's past uh, presentations. And he breaks down like KPIs for your marketing. Uh, you know, really good one in the past. So, And this is all stuff you get in the course, by the way. I mean, you get the exact templates, exact marketing outline. Not only do you get access to me and coaching on how to negotiate and how to get a deal across the finish line, but you get exact systems and processes to get the most out of your marketing dollars, right? So just a heads up. Nice. Can we get one last one in the buzzer right here with Jessup? Yeah, last one. All right. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Jessup, go ahead. If you can hear us. I think Jessup got kicked out. I just let him in. I just let him in. I don't know if I'm supposed to do things like that. <laughs> Jessup, can you hear us? Okay. Oh, if you... Yeah, sorry about that. There I'm having so many technical difficulties over here with my computer, so my apologies. What's your question? Um, so I know this is going to sound kind of probably dumb, but I've been having some trouble finding the exact information I need for this. On wholesaling, I know that getting the contract signed and going from there, that's where I'm stuck. Like, my question is, what 
processes do I need to follow after that? Like, do I need to put money in an earnest account and so on and so forth? So it's kind of the one thing that's like really blocking me from getting out and doing more door knocking because I have a friend Just, who- like, Can I really, can I'm going to give you like blunt, honest answer here? Yeah. You ready? Yeah. Get a coach. And you might think I'm saying that. And if anyone thinks I'm saying that, that has the same exact question and concern, and they think that I'm saying that because I'm a coach and I charge to, to get people across the finish line and help people through this whole process, go with a different coach. Okay. So I, I, I do respect that. And that is something that I will be doing, but I have to get a wholesale deal under my belt to have the finances to afford any of this. I currently lost my job. Um, I have work restrictions on both of my wrists and hands, so I can't really go back to work. So I'm, this is kind of where I'm at. Okay. So, um, so I'm, I'm going to challenge you on that one. Okay. Okay. Um, so some of my favorite people in the world, um, you know, I'm not saying that you don't have limitations and struggles. My favorite movie in the world is pursuit of happiness with Will Smith. Why is it my favorite movie? Because it is a man that is, that is facing, you know, massive obstacles, sleeping in a bathroom with his son, they're homeless. And, and it's based on a true story, overcoming the hardest things in the world. We all have struggles. I've been homeless, guys. I've I, been homeless. I right? have to, actually. I, so. lo I love it, dude. So your story, what I want you to understand is this. If you are willing to ask, how can I, instead of I can't because, if you're willing to do that, you will find a way and you will be an underdog story. And your story will be a blessing to someone else. It will inspire and give permission to someone else to say, how can I, instead of I can't because. Say, I have to because I'm homeless. I have to because I can't have a normal job and do construction anymore. I can't because, um, you know, don't say that. Say, I have to because. Um, you know, there's, there's Robert Kiyosaki says, I never say I can't afford it. Never say that, right? Say, how can I afford it? Uh, uh, Tony Robbins, another man that I respect, he says, it's not about having resources, it's about being resourceful. So I did a handful of videos on my YouTube channel for this same question and concern. It's like, fair enough, Zach, but how? How do I make money when I don't have money? How do I do it? And I did a couple of things where I made well over $100 an hour starting from nothing. I did a door-to-door -door, um, business where I said, hey, I have a mobile pawn shop. Do you have anything in your garage you want to get rid of and sell it? Um, I did another one where I went door-to-door -door for uh, service cleaning companies and booked over, um, I booked over $1,000 worth of service work in, in less than an hour, making over 150 bucks. So it, it's just, that's all I'm going to say. You don't need to defend yourself, but I, I hope that you'll take that information and run with it. And I hope that we all self-evaluate as well, because we all fall victim of saying, I can't because I can't afford it because my advice to you, 1000% is to get a coach and to find a way to afford it. Because this is the fact 1000% if you cannot come up with the money to pay for a coach that's going to make you 100,000 times more than you're going to give them, right? Let's say it's 5, 10, 5, 10, 20 grand, right? That's what a wholesaling coach costs. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm on the lower end of that. 
But if you if you say I, I can't afford that, I don't have the ability or the resourcefulness or the hustle to be able to afford that, I promise you actually don't have the ability or the hustle to figure out wholesaling as well. And that is the truth. Um, so another thing that you can go and watch where I talk about this even more, uh, I did a podcast on real estate disruptors with uh, Steve Trang. Um, and then I kind of talk more in depth on that. So hopefully that helps you. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And that's, that's a great idea. Um, I am very resourceful. So finding a way to pay for getting a coach is something that I have been working on. So it's just been a matter of finding that way to kind of pay for it. So Dude, I freaking love that. And that's a whole different conversation. That's a whole different mindset of like, you know, okay, I need a coach. How? Right? Like, that's what I, you need to be asking yourself and everyone around you. And that's the kind of question that you should have asked when I said, um, you know, get a coach. And you're like, okay, I have a lot of these obstacles. How do I do that? Do you have an idea for me? Right? Because when you start thinking with that mindset, how can I with these struggles, not ignoring your struggles, but saying, how can I with these obstacles? right? Then it opens up opportunities for growth and for learning and for success, right? And that's all I want for you. And that makes sense. I really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Zach. Of course. Of course. Zach, Zach, amazing. Uh, you might hate this idea, but that was an amazing call. Thanks, brother. Thank you. <laughs> I see what you did there, Gene. Nice. There I you love go. it. I love it. Use that, <laughs> use that sentence forever, guys. It'll make you millions. Yeah, this has been you, you've been so generous with your time, man. Thank you so Thanks. much. I got um, emergencies, guys. I'm going to jump I know off. You do. I love you all. Do okay. it. Same time, same place next week for everybody. So thanks again, Zach. Yeah. See you guys. Have a good week, guys. Bye. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Deal Machine Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please leave us a review and follow along wherever you're listening to your podcast.